Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleash the Game Changers. Today we have a returning guest, the amazing Samantha Rinke, who is author of You Are the Best Thing Since Sliced Bread. Thank you, Samantha, for oh, being here with thank us today. Thank you for having me and with this beautiful little boy. Exactly. Who I've not seen in a very long time. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here in person, your flesh, because our first episode was filmed during the pandemic, yes. you remember. And we were on Zoom, we were far. It's still a lovely episode. I yeah. hope everyone will watch it. But being together and being able to talk to you one-on-one -on -one, face to face and hug you it's the best i know absolutely and it was one of those moments where i think everyone was in a in such a, a weird phase and i'm so glad and so grateful that we were able to you know have the opportunity to yeah. to you know do that recording yeah. virtually but i think it is there's something obviously yeah. something lovely about being being here and also during these two years you yeah. did a lot because of course you are yeah. uh, an author and uh, you write for a lot yeah, of uh, uh, magazines <laughs> and you wrote a book <laughs> a book that i love and Thank i you. love the message of your book as i was telling you before because it is great that you're talking about uh, that your life and your journey, the lessons you, you got are universal. It's not only related to disability, it's about the struggles of everyone. Yeah. We all go through the same. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that you talk about, oh, you know, I struggle for men, for money, like yeah. all we do, right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Because obviously I am a physically disabled woman. That's a huge part of my identity. It is not a defining part of my identity, but it's something that I definitely have grown to come to love, feel pride in. And, you know, a lot of the opportunities that I have today, like my career, you know, being here with you, it's has, I've been afforded those opportunities primarily because of my disability, you know, working with charities, you know, all the networking that I've done, all the big kind of um, milestones, particularly with my career, have been connected, linked to being a physically disabled woman and a woman that is outspoken and strong as opposed to boost subjects in relation to disability so i'm very much you know a person that drives wanting to talk about disability however we have to understand that you know disabled people are human beings we we, we want the same as everybody else although exactly. society would have us believe that disabled people are not human beings we yeah. are othered we are ostracized we are marginalized you know we still have this uncomfortable feeling around disability you know this ignorance people often say well you know i just, I just don't want to upset anyone and i don't know what language to use so instead of actually educating and becoming an ally and a good advocate what we tend to do is ignore and further marginalize you know this group of yeah. under under you know, represented individuals. But it was really interesting because obviously I was born with a condition. I was born with brittle bones. Yeah. It's commonly known as osteogenesis imperfecta, but we won't keep saying that because it's a really long, long way of Difficult, saying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've never known a life without my condition. And I've always, I think I refer to it in the book as my, you know, my uniqueness. And yes. I've always had an innate sense of self-worth. And I always really liked being and that's different. Wonderful. And when, you know, when I kind of got the opportunity to, to, to write the book, it was really, really telling how society still viewed disability because of the, the responses that I got. So I either got, particularly from my non-disabled peers and colleagues, um, 
oh, that's great, congratulations. But it's not going to be about disability, is it? Because you're more than that, Samantha. Gosh. And that feeds into that whole that whole narrative mm. of, um, oh, I don't see your disability. Whereas disabled people are like, um, I kind of really want you to see my disability because if you Good. invite me out for dinner, you need to make sure there's an accessible bathroom and then my wheelchair can, you know, yeah. get there or, you know, you've allocated enough time because I need to bring someone to assist me and so forth. And then on the flip side, I had a whole conversation of my disabled or neurodivergent peers who were then saying, oh God, it's not going to be an inspiration porn piece. And what they mean about that, so I talk a lot about inspiration porn and it was coined by mm. someone who also had bristle bones like me. Mm. She was an Australian activist, um, Stella Young. Um, you can actually find her. She did a, a phenomenal TED Talk um, quite a few years back now. I think you can find it on YouTube. It's... Um, I'm not your inspiration, thank you very much. But she coined the um, the term inspiration yeah, porn. I think I saw that. And we have spoken about this, you know, because often disabled people are objectified. We are seen mm. as objects um, to kind of be pulled out to make other people feel mm. either better or worse about their lives, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And I think we saw a surge in that during the pandemic. You yeah. know, we like Sir Tom was inspiration yeah. porn you know mm. if you're not doing anything but look at this elderly gentleman yeah, who is yeah, doing yeah. this so why are you? Yeah. and disabled people are like hang on a minute i'm just a person like i i'm just going about yeah. my daily business yeah. i don't want to i don't want you to measure your success or failure yeah. by me because actually yeah. what you're doing is you're seeing me and thinking she yeah. shouldn't succeed because yeah. she's disabled She's yeah, probably yeah. the person I bullied at school. It's a horrible thing. You know, but she's yeah. doing okay. She's written a book. So I, I had this, like, before I even put pen to paper or fingertips to keyboard, I was like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I, I, what do I do? Because I, I'm stuck. I don't, want, I don't want to let down my disabled peers yeah. and, like, sell into the inspiration mm. narrative. And I also don't want to... Yeah. alienate people because I don't of want course. people to go oh well I'm not disabled so I don't want to pick up this book but I think mm. I've I think I've nailed it you nailed it <laughs> yeah, you definitely were nuanced you know you didn't you weren't uh, white or black uh, radicalized in any way and that's life also yeah. right life is like that yeah. it's a lot of shades of gray you know Absolutely. so I don't like all these people giving you all this pressure no, it must have been very difficult yeah, it, for you <laughs> it was and I think because we were oh. in a pandemic yeah. I had a lot of time to sit there and worry about oh, it God. you know um and i think i just and i think this is where i'm at with it now mm. i'm proud of what i've written yeah. and i don't really sit there and i don't i don't kind of read comments or you know i'm not really asked even the publishers if it's doing well if it's not doing well it's because it. i think yeah. ultimately that's my truth that's yes. my life yeah. i've been as honest as i could be without yes. saying something that could get me arrested exactly yeah that, yeah that's yeah. that's for the book when i when i make my millions then yeah. i'll do another book and just put everything in it and if i get arrested then i can just pay, pay myself exactly. out of it it's as authentic and it's as honest and it's yeah. as real yeah as as i could exactly. be and i can't change my lived experience mm. whether that's about you know my disabled body whether yeah. that's about you know losing a parent at a very yeah. young age whether that's about not feeling good enough as a woman in society yeah. i've just completely been honest and i hope i you know i hope anyone who reads this no matter who you are mm. 
I do hope that you learn something about disability because, as, of course. Uh, you know, that would be like, of course. the, the That's, main goal. Yeah. But also, I want you to recognize that, you know, you can absolutely take away what I call like a life lesson. Each yeah. chapter is a life lesson. Your messages are universal. Yeah. You know, I love each title of each chapter. Yeah. yeah. They're very cheeky, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> no, they're, but they're, they're wonderful because they make you think, right? Mm -hmm. Like the one where you write, what is normal? Yeah, what is normal. And, and is I think normal? this word can plague everybody, no matter who you are. I think yeah. society, again, has this idea of depending on where we are, you know, what, what decade we're in. You know, in, at one point, Marilyn Monroe was the perfect woman. And then the next minute, skinny models were the yeah, next yeah. model. So, you know, we, we tend to go through phases of what normally normally dictated by what men like <laughs> yeah. predominantly like victoria's uh, secret yeah uh, you exactly know. have you heard um, the, the song uh, yeah, yeah that one victoria's secret song. is made by a man <laughs> yes but i think for me as a disabled person from the moment mm. i was born you know that word normal or not normal got banded around quite freely and quite liberally and, yeah. and I think that kind of angers me and I think that's been a driving force and I've definitely tried to negate that label because um, obviously as we know you know when you start to label someone often enough that yeah. ultimately that you, you could become that label that turns into a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy and I guess I just wanted to break down and say well who who dictates yeah. what's normal um, and, and I, I think it's so so harmful because when we talk about things like ableism which is the belief that if you if you are normal in the sense of what is defined by society's mm -hmm. norms of that era or that time if you are if you deviate from that so if you have a cognitive or physical deviation yeah. so a physical disability or a cognitive disability then you are perceived as not being normal and therefore anyone who is outside of the that that you know that is is lesser deserving of yeah. love yeah. Um, money opportunity and it's terrible because they, so they can feel bad if they believe in that yeah, and it's good you you never believe in that right you're not inside that book box no, i mean so. but i i would be a liar to say that i haven't internalized some of those feelings you know i've had people say to me but everyone does a lot of things for you or you know like so i've i've definitely felt in my life that i um, I'm a burden to, to certain people or even just when we look at reasonable adjustments I'm reminded daily of the reasonable adjustments that society has afforded me so for example just taking a simple taxi mm. most taxis in London black cabs as we call them yeah. um, are by law they have to be accessible but I can guarantee in around 80% of the taxi journeys I take I will have the driver remind me that I should be grateful, ultimately, like they are the only ones that have this access. And I turn around and go, hang on a minute, am I not a paying customer? And actually, if, if anything, because the public transport system is so poor and so inaccessible, mm. my only option is a black I, car. are yeah. cabs. Yeah. So if you want to look at my tax return <laughs> yeah. and see how many exactly. taxis I take... But I think disabled people are constantly um, reminded of, you know, all the things that society has made um, uh, available to them. It's, mm. it's like, and we use this word special. Yeah. This is why we need to, language is, is, it can be nuanced, but it's so integral to how we view 
how you feel, how you feel, and how we view a certain members yeah. of society. And this is why I hate the word special. It's like, well, yeah. you. But let's give you special treatment. Well, hang on a minute. Why? Why is going to the bathroom special? Exactly. Yeah. Why is you know? And I think sometimes the a lot of other the amount of abuse that I probably receive and other disabled people will receive online are non-disabled people, you know, kind of trying to justify things like using and abusing, in my eyes, facilities that are predominantly there for mm. disabled people. And they go, and the, and the argument is, and it makes me laugh, the argument is, well, you want to be treated equally, so why can't I use the disabled toilet? I can't believe and, that. And it's just like, well, because you've forgotten about equity there, because... You know, we all have different needs, and if you're disabled, we are oh we are our needs aren't greater. We just mm. have different needs, exactly. and they're not special. I challenge people, and I say, you know, think of the last time you asked for help. Like the the idea of independence, it's an abstract con yeah. con con con. Yeah. Construction, isn't yeah. it? Because you ask yourself, when did you call your best friend? When did you talk to your GP? When yeah. did you cry on the phone to somebody? You know, everybody needs assistance. Yeah. And well, there's, the way, nothing yeah, there's nothing wrong with needing it. assistance. There's but the way wrong, we package yeah. it when we're talking about disabled or neurodivergent or deaf individuals is that it's an extra. You're going above and beyond to help these certain individuals. Mm. And that, in turn, going back to your question, that, in turn, you know, day in, day out, I suppose we can call them microaggressions, but I, I kind of hate using the word microaggressions because I think it devalues, like, these these kind of um, interactions, mm. what they are, are discriminatory. Um, but, you know, if, you ha if you're subjected to that and perhaps you're not as vocal as me and feisty as me, you internalise that because what yeah. you think is asking for something which, that is ultimately a basic human right, yes. like going out to a cinema with your friends, yeah? yeah? And then you're told, oh, well, we haven't got this. Um, or that that would be extra, or you know we're gonna have to. Oh well, I'll go, well we're gonna have to get this ramp out. You know mm. you're already feeling that you are beholden to society, and I think I think I feel that even though I'm I'm aware of it, it's hard not to sometimes. Yes, I understand. You know, feel like you society doesn't see you as normal, and although I am comfortable in my own skin human interactions uh, day in, day out can, can chip away at you. I think they call microaggressions, they say it's like death by a thousand yes. paper cuts. Yes. And that's absolutely true. Yeah, you're right. And do you have friends who maybe... Oh, oh it's not me. It's ferocious. He's looking at me saying, is it you? I, I think he got very upset about what you said and, and he yes. wants to yes. <laughs> tell people I off. Know, I know. <laughs> Don't do that. And ableism. Yeah. <laughs> you see? I'll get you a little t-shirt with that this on, This is okay? about what we were talking about, uh, humanizing pets. Yeah, the, the yeah new exactly. Trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on board. That's on the next, that's on the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a fan because I, I share with you a lot. And, and we share uh, food a lot as well. Exactly. <laughs> Italian food, Indian food. <laughs> it's mind-blowing that there are people who don't uh, understand this. But that's why, you know, it's important that you keep sharing yeah. this message. And if I can help in any possible way, yeah. you know, sharing the message, if our public can share the episode, I think it's so important. Absolutely. And of course, I hope everyone will read your book yeah. because they can learn so much. Absolutely. And Probably learn too much about me, though. So if you're, if you're um, a bit shy and you maybe don't want to 
You know, no, there's, a, there's a few things in there that even my mother was like, oh, Samantha. It's, you have to no, put that in there. No, I think it's great that you shared everything, honestly. But, but you know, I, I, talk about, I talk about some really light-hearted things, but I also talk about some serious things. I talk about my own sexual assault and, and, mm. and it, how that impacted me. And, yeah. you know, the fact that disabled women are more likely to receive sexual yeah. assault and, and no one talks about and no that. one talks about yes. it because often disabled people in general are infantilized or we're seen as asexual so we're yeah. seen as not having sexual desires or not sexual beings attractive enough to be worthy of yeah. love or, or relationship so mm. when we experience something like a sexual assault you know um the knee-jerk reaction is first of all were they were they were they a weirdo for liking you or surely they can't because who would want to basically screw someone in a wheelchair you know so this attitude but it's really interesting because I've shared some of these you know kind of life events that aren't often talked about I've engaged with a lot of disabled women in particular and some of the stories I've actually heard you know men use you know um, weaponizing their their mobility aids or you know using their disability against them for example um i had my wheelchair dragged towards the individual so Mm. they could grope me but i've had women who have got prosthetic limbs being removed and stolen so that after an argument with their partner you know um i've had um friends who are blind or visually impaired being groped on the street because men thought that they can't see. No. So then, and these are the things that we're not talking about. So although, you know, I'm grateful that this book is very cheeky, very sassy, it actually really, really highlights a lot of things that we are not yeah. as a society talking about because we still feel uncomfortable around disability. And that really angers me because anyone can become disabled at any time. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely, we, we've, yeah. We've just gone through a pandemic, for goodness sake. Yeah. We've all recognised how fragile our health yeah how fragile society is and actually we need to start stop being so ignorant we need to stop being so british about everything if you want to call it that and 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 i think i don't know i think when i started my journey as an activist 10 years ago um i kind of gave people the benefit of the doubt and i i i allowed them to have that ignorance because i am not a perfect human being and i think you know Black Lives Matter during the pandemic highlighted how I was ignorant to all the minority groups. So I've educated myself. And I think that's the key word, isn't it? Yeah. Like now, yeah. now, of course, this this is me talking from a privileged point of view, but speaking as someone who lives in a country like the UK, most people here have got access to the internet, have got access to a smartphone. You know, yeah. even if they don't have that in their own home, they'll have that in schools yeah. so they so can forth. educate they themselves, can educate themselves. Mm. and it's really funny because a lot of the questions that i get from people when i deliver um disability awareness and, and inclusion mm. training um particularly from parents it's that whole um scenario and i think i write about it a little bit in the book of children being inquisitive and coming up to a dis- physically disabled person and asking questions and it's normally the adult that are very very awkward and like embarrassed and so forth and parents often ask me so what do we do in this situation and I used to say well of course it's even worse if you drag the child away let the child be inquisitive you know Mm. um allow that to happen organically if the if the person that they're interacting with clearly is Mm. uncomfortable then 
yeah, you know, do something, do yeah. something. But but you know that uh, that's not my that's not how I find disabled people. Actually, I I find most disabled people happy to, particularly with children, maybe not with adults. Yeah, exactly. But with with children, children is different. Engage. Yeah. However, I started to think, well, is that the right? Is that the right thing to advise people? Because actually now, why has it got to that point? Why aren't we having these conversations at home? Exactly. Why aren't you buying? I Preventing. Mean, yeah. You know, there's so many beautiful yeah. um, 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 dolls, Barbies, books. You know, go on YouTube. You can learn BSL, British Sign Language, mm. for free. You know, there's so many resources at your fingertips that you could be having these conversations and if you don't feel competent as a as a parent to do so um why aren't you then putting pressure on your schools why why aren't we why aren't we teaching um um disability history month in schools why aren't you know i i uh, i always again in my training session i put a picture up on the board and i go what is this and it's the disability pride flag and no one has a clue what that is yeah. I might support why. I think we are concentrating a little bit too much <laughs> into other flags. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they now are very complicated uh, while we should give more space to other flags. Yeah, I think yeah. we should just be aware that yeah. also, and it, that's really interesting that you say that because another, mm. another thing that was, became apparent during particularly Black Lives Matter that we forget about intersectionality. We forget about the fact that disabled people are also gay, yeah. trans, black. Yeah. Muslim, mm. you know, um, we are all these things. We're not just our disability identity. And why it became quite apparent during that period of time, my black disabled friends were underrepresented. So in a in a in a movement that was supposed to be um, all encompassing and all all inclusive, they were actually mm. segregating their own. Yeah. Um, their own kind of um, friends and, and family members. And we see this during Pride, LGBTQ plus Pride. You know, physically disabled people can't, can only, at the moment, if I'm, if I'm not misunderstood, at the moment, the actual physical Pride, people, particularly if, if they've got wheelchairs or any other mobility equipment, can only do half of the, 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 the parade because of, um, health and safety or whatever mm. but you know again and I hear again from a lot of my um, gay friends they get so much abuse on um, dating sites from other gay men because yeah because again once again ableism wow terrible it's terrible it's terrible yeah looking at me going yes yes auntie Sammy it is terrible yeah <laughs> so another title of your chapter uh, that I love is love your body love yourself mm. especially particularly in this time you know we are leaving uh, when a lot of people unfortunately they yeah. hate their body they yeah. think they were even born in a wrong body they think they're disconnected from the body so mm. what would you tell them it's really interesting isn't it and I made mm. the I think this book was very reflective. I think there was a lot of moments. It's very cathartic for me. Yeah. And I think anyone who's written a book will probably say very similar. You start writing and then you'll, you'll, you'll conjure up a memory that you might have suppressed or, yeah. you know, a memory from your childhood that is really relevant to what you're trying to talk about um, in the book. And I, I learned a lot about myself. And one of the main things that I learned about myself is I physically have a body that doesn't always do what I want it to do. It, 
I have a body that is in constant pain. I have a body that can change and let me down at the drop of a hat and really blindside me. And I have a body covered in scars. I have I have curved bones and so forth. And and you know, like many people, I went through you know a time where I I couldn't look in the mirror. Looking in a mirror physically made me vomit. Like it, it made me feel sick. And you know, this is predominantly when I was a teenager when you know you you start to notice the other you know, the opposite sex or you yeah. start it's to difficult want to, yeah and it was difficult yeah. puberty is difficult. and it's really funny because all the things that I was uber conscious about and really hated about myself looking back those were the things that people made me feel worthless about those mm. were the things that boys would make fun of or girls mostly boys um would make me feel insignificant or different or yeah. not normal whereas funnily enough i've got scars running all the way up my legs on my spine and they're not little they're big scars and i've always loved them i've I mean, I just always love them. I've never hid them away. I've always worn short skirts on holiday. I actually just like them. And I and I thought to myself, you know, why why is that? You know, why why do I hate my spine? Why do I hate my teeth? Why do I hate X, Y, and Z? But I have never had an issue with my scars, and that is because no one has made me feel like I should feel ugly about them. That's interesting. And I think that is really, you know. It's that nature nurture argument, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. We are we are yeah. products of our environment. Yeah. Yes. It's Aren't we, it's baby? so strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's so pervasive, you're right. Even if you're a strong person, even if you're knowledgeable, even mm. if you're well educated, but still we react to that, you know, yeah. stereotypes. Yeah. They're horrible. We yeah. should, you know, cancel all types yeah. of stereotypes. I think this is what Perhaps, you know, as, you know, speaking as I used to be a school teacher and I saw a lot of children go through, you know, hating body dysmorphia and, and, yes. and so forth and really not connecting or feeling disconnected with who they were, their body, you know, what they looked like, their appearance. And I, and I kind of, and I hope I do get to talk to, you know, go back into the world of education and be able to share my story because I think, you know, you need to take a step back and reflect and go who has made me feel like yeah. this is this a gen because i i contemplated having like a boob job and uh, breast augmentation and so forth and you know i am not i am not there to dictate to anybody what they should or shouldn't like about themselves i would love to i've got a little bit of an asymmetric upper lip i like a fuller lip i use a lip liner if i was brave enough to have needles put in my my lips i would totally have it done you know that's not because i hate my lips but i just think why why not i'm already spending hours penciling my lips so i wouldn't mind doing that and um, so i'm not here to judge anybody i think uh, i think anyone has the right to i mean i, I dye my hair do you dye your hair yeah. it's the same we all if you wear makeup we all want to be the best versions of ourselves but i think we need to just take a step back and ask ourselves is it here to please me or others or others yeah and that's the key point isn't it and the worry is when you're a child you're so so um influenced by other people that it's hard to drown out those noises yeah. and i think we need to afford youngsters young adults a space to drown out that noise and get yeah. some perspective Absolutely. Do you think your family helped you to love yourself or it just came from within? Um, possibly a combination. Um, I know my mum had her own issues um, with her weight. Um, I know after my dad died, my mum had um, 
I would say, an eating disorder. Um, so I think, weirdly, that that never got transmitted to me, and I know it can often do yeah, so. Yeah. Um, my sister's was very athletic, but I never felt in con- competition. And I think that is because I always had a great sense of who I was, and I knew my body was different. I was never in denial about that, and I never, you know... I never kind of felt necessarily ashamed of that. I knew I was different. I, there was no kind of, yeah. oh my God, am I disabled? Like I always knew that, even from a young age, you know? So I guess, I think one of my, what I'm dealing with now is for many, many, many years, although I liked myself and I, of course I went through phases like any teenager does of feeling rejected by boys or feeling, yeah. you know. It's the hardest phase. Of course. Yeah. But I think, ultimately I always was quite happy with who I was and I liked the fact that I was a good communicator and I liked the fact that people warmed to me in any situation um but I think what I I I struggled with was I never knew anyone with a disability growing up and I rejected the notion Mm. of being affiliated with anyone who was disabled and it's and it's really and it's really really interesting because you know how can you love yourself knowing you're disabled and embracing to a point growing up your disability identity yet feeling really really adverse to wanting to be around and i think what it was i think it was i've always gone against the grain (laughs) and i think when people as any child does when people tell you to do something you want to do the opposite so when people said why don't you get disabled friends i'm like Mm. why why I've got other friends who aren't disabled. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's really, it's really strange because I now have so many disabled friends and I became a trustee um, of a charity in 2010. The Richard Bone yeah, Society. Yeah, the Richard Bone Society. And that was my first real exposure to not only people who were disabled, but people with the same condition and people who looked like me. And that was so liberating on so many levels because although I could definitely, I felt comfortable around my non-disabled friends and family members, there's something odd about having a connection with someone who you might not like, you might not necessarily befriend, but you have a mutual respect and understanding. And that mutual respect sadly comes from normally um, a, you know, discrimination. We've all faced similar discrimination, but also on a different level because I have a condition that impacts my bones and my, my physical my physical self so you know I've got a very strong connection I know my body inside out I know when I need to relax I know I don't always listen to it but I know the signs (laughs) Um, and I guess being in a room with people who so for me sitting here now with my as you would like nicely posed and like a lady and that's painful for me and when I used to go to these conferences I had people like lying on the floor stretching out not caring and I was like wow, I've wanted to conform, you know, to, Mm. I think you refer to it as code switching. Code switching is when you mimic or become someone else, you know, what, the person, yeah, part of the group. And and then I didn't have to do that. And Mm. I I, I reflect in 
the the book i took my best friend laura to one of the agms annual general meetings yeah. and we went and it was i think it was one of the first times that i went and so you can imagine we're in a hotel there's about 500 people that look like me and their family members all the staff have been preempted like pre, you know like educated yeah. so none of the staff are staring or glaring and and we've practically taken over a whole hotel and everyone's just doing their thing and it was like a bubble for three days and then when we were driving home we stopped off for like a burger king or something and we both got out went for our meal and as we got back into the car we both looked at each other and she went did you notice that and i went yeah did you notice and we both said at the same time we both went everyone was staring and Mm. I get stared a lot at anyway because I look different and people can be ignorant and people are intrigued or whatever, for whatever Mm. reason. And people in the Burger King, they weren't necessarily staring more than usual. But I, we recognise that... We noticed more. We've noticed more because we had been in this space where we could be unapologetically authentic and ourselves. Yes. And then all of a sudden we, it's like returning back Mm. to that world that doesn't see me as normal, mm. that doesn't value me. And that was an eye-opener because I think that made me sad. Mm. Made me sad because it it was one of them, well, what do I need to do to, to be accepted? And I suppose that plagued me for a while. And I spent a lot of my um, teenage years, again, just trying to be the cool kid, trying to be that. And, you know, I think anyone can relate to that on some level. But I think... I, I definitely grieved after that because it was like I'm never there's nothing I can do to yeah. to, to, to make you accept me any faster. Yeah. So I'm just gonna be myself and work on being myself. Absolutely. And I think that's what I've been doing, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you are the cool kid, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. 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 I find it fascinating because we are much more than our body, you know. Uh, we are our spirit, you know, ourself, as some philosophers say, you know, our mind, and then of course our body, and we are connected. Mm. But many people they are disconnected. Many yeah. people they, they, they suffer because they're disconnected, they don't Mm. love themselves, and your body is part of your entirety, but Mm. you're much more than that, and Mm. I think you embrace all of it. I don't know if you're a spiritual or religious. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. I've been here before, quite a few times, I think. Yeah, you're an old soul. This is not my first rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) I actually did a- I can say, I did um, a wonderful podcast as well, obviously not as wonderful as this, (laughs) Um, but with a spiritual healer just last week. Wonderful. And we talked about, because you know I'm an animal lover, like you and my dad, my father, well, my father definitely instilled the love of, of um, animals into me. And um, I definitely think that I'm an animal empath. I take on the yeah. energy of animals much more than I do humans. But I take it to a level that can be so deep, it can be actually debilitating because I take their uh. energy on. If they're suffering, I can take that on. And I spoke to the spiritual healer and I told her, and it was the first time I'd opened up to anyone saying, I'm an, I'm an animal empath. Yeah. Because you, you say something like that and most people go, what? And mm-hmm. um, some people will be fine, but on the whole, people are like, what is she going on about? Has she been mm. at the wine again? Has she been drinking too much? No, we didn't start. No, we, we had drink started, after. <laughs> I promise. You'd be able to tell because I'd be like wobbling a bit. Um, and, and I explained to her this one story where I read, I read something. A friend in America had some pet mm. goats. 
And um, she just wrote saying that one of the goats was pregnant and in the night, they must live in the middle of nowhere, some some local youths came in and slaughtered the pregnant goat. But it was a family pet, like a dog. And I read that. I don't really know these people. They're just people, you know, associates on Facebook. And I carried the... All of a sudden, I had this wave of fear, fear of a mother, Mm. fear of not only being attacked, but that fear of the goat being like, I'm pregnant and I... I need to protect my baby and I can't yeah. even protect myself. And that lingered with me. And I, to- I told this story to her and it was really interesting because she went, it does sound like you're, you know, you are an empath. She went, but the problem is you're, you're, um, those feelings you're, you're attaching too much. And yeah. there's, there's a way of training yourself to release. Let it go. To, yeah. So that, and that was like, I, I found that absolutely fascinating because it made me, it made things fall into place quite a lot for me yeah um but i think you know having that strong connection with animals and even having i've got two sphinx cats at home um ironically so cats they purr they purr because they're happy but they also purr they purr because it's a way of healing themselves the vibrations go through their body so if you hear a cat purring and you're not with them or you're not petting them it's probably because they're not feeling well or they're injured so they soothe themselves and weirdly enough because i've got a um a bone condition one of the treatments there's no cure for brittle bones but there are a few treatments Mm. one of the treatments are vibrating plates and you can have vibrating mm. sonic plates and you place them and it's it's there to inc- hopefully increase your bone density. Yeah. And I just found that connection with the cats, you know, mm. when they come and sit on you and they purr and you just feel that it is that healing it's that healing. goes yeah. through you. I just found that quite beautiful. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. And I know you love cats. And yeah, you have I just to... love all animals. Yeah. I want a goat. I want everything. If anyone <laughs> wants to set up a animal sanctuary with me I need investors anyone investors Darling, you reckon I, I, I yeah? might be the one you, one you, day you yeah. <laughs> I think animal we'll sanctuaries we'll get yeah, married exactly. one day we'll open a farm it'll be fine it'll be fine no no I, I, I agree with you 100% also I believe in karma so what you give you know it will come back to you and I think if you do good to humans and animals uh, you know Absolutely. you will definitely have uh, a good life yes Amen yeah. to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another chapter, Sam. Be your own muse. Mm. I just love it so much. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. Then, of course, I want everyone to buy your book. Yes. <laughs> so, be your own muse. It was an interesting chapter because I was a, I was a bit gutted because I'm a big fan of Frida Kahlo, which is obviously um, well known. Mexican painter she became yeah she became disabled herself but she was just like a badass woman who was you know androgynous and just a trailblazer of her time and um I was under the um I was you know kind of uh, I was told that that was her um quote but it wasn't actually her quote but anyway we digress I love it because I guess going back to that innate sense of self-worth I didn't have many friends growing up. I the world was not accessible to me. I didn't have enabled privilege. 
so to speak. Mm. And so I had to be my own muse. I had to be my own best friend. I had to be creative. I had to, you know, create these worlds of imaginary friends or, you know, learn to play with myself. Wonderful. That came out wrong. But you know what I mean? Learn to... It's not wrong. It's not wrong anyway. Um, <laughs> although I do talk about masturbation in the book oh. as well. But I'm just saying that I, I, I had to be in my own company a lot. Yeah. And that afforded me a lot of a lot of strength and I think now we live in a society where we turn to social media influencers and I actually did an interview the other day and one of the questions that came up um, was what do you say to people who you know look turn to social media influencers to to be their role model and to be their guide Mm. and are they selling a falsehood because not everybody will be able to get to that level and I said the real distinction is you are you are living up to someone's dream and their aspirations. Because when you're looking at someone online, they've got a different life. Yes. They've got different thing, goals. Yeah. They've got different things that they want to achieve in life. So what you're going after, you'll never attain because mm. that's not your dream. Yes. That's not your goal. Okay, it's great to have role models. Believe me, I didn't have many disabled people that I could look up to growing up on television. Yeah. That's maybe why I rejected, because the, the people yeah. I did see were, you know, perhaps stereotypes or caricatures of disabled people, you know, non-disabled yeah. people playing disabled roles that were, you know, great, great caricatures and harmful. Mm. So I understand, I hope I am a role model, but equally, I'm sure you, are. you know, I don't want, I don't mm. want to be a benchmark for all disabled people, and I also want, to, you know, you to have your own dreams and aspirations because that's the only way that you're going to get to where you want to be yeah. don't follow in my footsteps because i'm a different person yeah but of course i think uh, you know someone can be inspired at a certain level just to you know have an idea an image but then being your own muse is wonderful yeah. because uh, it's like uh, being your own dream yeah. be your fantasy yeah. you know be your own uh, inspiration and it gives uh, that difference you know because each one of mm. us is so different yeah. and and you say that beautifully but everywhere I, yeah you know, but book. i think we're we're often discouraged to do that because we're seen as of being course, yeah. you know egotistical we're seen yeah. as being yeah. pompous yeah society seen, wants you to yeah. conform to the norm i was yeah. i was a really outspoken child that was mostly because I was just quite confident but I was also often around adults I was always in hospital you know physiotherapists um occupational therapists it was always adult conversations and so I I spoke like an adult when I was younger and that really annoyed people like adults got really annoyed and pissed off at me and was like be down in your place you know, and, and I guess that we, we don't encourage that confidence mm. and we're still quite bad at that as a society. Yeah. And, you know, like I said before, like we, you know, that old expression might not even be old, but, you know, if you don't look after yourself, then you can't look after other people. So yes. we need to look after our own health, mental health and nurture that. Well, that's why I like be your own muse, because unless we look inwardly and be honest with ourselves and go, what do I want in life? What are my pleasures? What makes me truly happy? You know, unless we have those conversations, figure that out to a certain degree and then turn to other people because sometimes you want want someone who's maybe done something similar to you or who has, you know, um, a pearl of wisdom, like your grandma that she can turn around and say something to you or a teacher or so forth. But 
we, 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 we don't spend any time on ourselves. We are constantly looking for other people for answers. And yeah. that's harmful. It is, 100%. That's why also it's very good to stay calm in our you know, own mind and try that's to calm. That's why you want to get a goat. Yeah. We'll get a hut and get a goat. That's a good one. That's a good one. Nature can help. Nature can help. Absolutely. But also, you know, meditation and more maybe a sense of awareness mm -hmm. because it's very important mm -hmm. to, to be aware yeah. of, you know, who we are. Yeah. First of, of all, know yourself, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, what are we doing now? But that's you know? difficult because some people yeah. don't actually want to face up to who they yeah. are. And it's a challenge, yeah. you know. Um, but I think, you know, it we is. are forever evolving. So I think if you are at a point where you are being brave enough to look inwardly and you might not always like the traits that you possess, yeah. but I would say I am quite selfish sometimes, you know, but that doesn't mean that I can't change or can't grow as a person. So mm -hmm. even if you are at a point where you are, you know, taking that step to look inwardly and reflect and truly be honest with yourself, that doesn't mean that who you are then can, if you're not happy, it doesn't mean that you can't yeah. grow as an individual. Absolutely. But we all change. Yeah. Wanted or not, we all change. So it's better to... <laughs> the wrinkles at the side of my eyes are... Uh... I can't see them. No, I know. I'm at, I've got my mum's jeans, so hopefully I'll be all right for a good another 20 years. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you see, I love cats as well. Yeah. Simba. <laughs> You're Simba. You are so beautiful. Yeah. So this is the voice that I do when I talk to animals. I know, I know, I know. I have a different voice as well. <laughs> but Sam, I, you know, I, I love your philosophy of life uh, and I admire you. Oh, so, bless you. I mean, we are sisters. Well, likewise, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, of course, I know that you're very witty and uh, you live light in a light way. You don't take yourself too seriously and that's no. a secret, I think, uh, to enjoy life. Yeah. So, would you like to share with us uh, maybe a story you never shared oh or a spicy thing that happened? I don't know. I'm, I'm quite a boring cat woman now and I think... <laughs> Again, most of the really, really off-the-wall things that I did when I first moved to London, I would probably get arrested if I were to, like, tell anybody um, <laughs> what I did. And I think it's really funny because in the book, one of the chapters yeah. is my transition from Lancashire. I'm not going to spoil it because I absolutely want everyone course, to go out and yeah. spoil the book. But, you know, I moved from Lancashire to London. Yeah. And then um, I, I kind of... I networked and I partied and I was a bit of a girl about town. A lot of my friends came from the LGBTQ plus community. So I was like in, in a very lively community, so to speak. Um, and one housewarming party that I went to, and it was, you know, one of those sliding door moments. Yeah. So um, I... I was with my friend Nathan, who I grew up with in Lancashire, and he was in London, and he was very much a catalyst of, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to move to London, and he showed me this, like, the big lights of the city, and he's two of his good friends, who I'm, who, one of them now is my business partner, Max, and Eduardo, who's my best friend. Um, they were a couple and they had just bought a lovely apartment and they had a housewarming party. And I, 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 we were supposed to go and they called us and they went, we're on the fifth floor, but the lift is broken. So myself and Nathan, we just went off to different bars and we were going to call it a night. And then all of a sudden around 10 o'clock or whatever time it was, we got a phone call going, oh, the lift is, it's working, it's working. So I remember, I can visualize it now. We were sat like <laughs> 
like real teenagers. We weren't even teenagers, and then we were sat like drinking bottles on a on like a you know on the side of a street. You know, Nathan was like sat on a wall, and we're like, "What do we do? Do we go or do we just yeah. like take the party yeah. back to your house?" Yeah. And we went, and it was me, and it was just I was the only woman. Not only was I the only physically disabled person there, I was the only woman, and there was about 40 gay men, effectively. <laughs> but most of the people at the party were in the industry, so the creative industry, film, television, yeah. fashion. And and that's where I'm, you know, the my kind of career kind of started. Yeah. And I think I talk about it in the book, but it's really funny because um, the party, it was quite a debauch party by the <laughs> bit and it was all those awkward moments where I ended up seeing people afterwards who are like in quite high high positions yeah. and you know that awkwardness of going oh oh I know where do I know you from oh and that's where oh, I know oh, you okay. from <laughs> and um but in the book I just say and what stay what happened at the party stays at the party okay. and my editor my editor actually said to me she went Oh, I was really disappointed. Are you sure you don't want to elaborate? So. And I was like, no, like because my mother would disown me and I probably would get arrested. <laughs> and so I left it just like that going like that. That was it. And I've had so many messages from people going, hey, Samantha, I really love your book. However, uh, yeah, you I know the bit where you said... Okay, so Sam, uh, I will wait for you in the future. Yeah, for, for after your future. second book, uh, maybe yeah. you will be able to share. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> something for the grandkids. But yeah, exactly. uh, I, I think that's, I think, gosh, I think that's about it. I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm that Good. off the wall anymore. Yeah. I'm quite a, quite a, I, do you know what it is? I think it's really, I'm an ambivert. Mm. Um, I figured out, so although my, I have this alter ego or my persona and I love doing this, things like this, I love being on live television. I love being a performer. I love engaging with people. I love going to new places and kind of having people turn to me and, and engaging and having that conf confidence. I love that. But actually, that's only a very small part of who I am. And I guess because that's the part that most people can recognize me from, from TV and so forth, they think that is me, like yeah. the, the whole me. However, most of me, who I am, is quite introverted in the sense of I love my own space. Yeah. I love being in my own thoughts. I love being around animals. I, 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 I can be on my own for... Like, to be honest, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way because obviously the pandemic was harrowing, mm. I actually really enjoyed the down yeah. time that yeah. just to be in my own thoughts yeah. because I, I, I get very overwhelmed by um, the fast pace of, yes. of, of everything. I so I really enjoy me, me you know, being on my, on my own. That's wonderful, right? Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, a lot of people, they can't stand yeah. uh, maybe their life and they want to go absolutely. here and there to find happiness. But your real happiness is within, right? It's, it's, it's within it's, yourself. It's interesting yeah. because I thought that everyone was similar to me, particularly adults. I thought that all adults could, you know, be in their own company. And it's only coming to London because London is very much like there's so much to offer um that people want to go out for meals people want to do this that they constantly want to go out and i guess for me because i'm quite like being a home person and also because there's so many barriers that i've got to you know like sure. ex expensive yeah. you know inaccessible transport and so forth and i i actually found that london that was a whole new way of being because people were constantly wanting to go out but what i found it wasn't because they really enjoyed 
the socializing, like, you know, the food, or oh, they're a food connoisseur or a wine connoisseur. Mm-hmm. It was predominantly because they couldn't be on their own. On their own. And I, I, I've, you know, got grown, ad- like, grown yeah. adults that are much older than me that really, really cannot be on their own. And that, yeah. that was quite mind-blowing for me. Yes. Because it was just such a, a different way of being. And yeah. I don't think I've ever felt like that. Yeah. I understand, and I hear you because I'm similar to you. Yeah. I, I yeah. People know my you know public persona, social uh, life, but I I love to PJs. stay home. Yeah. PJs and, and read. I love to read. Yeah. So uh, when I have time to read, I'm in peace. Yeah. I'm in heaven. Yeah. Good. But Sam, do you want to share with us uh, which is the happiest moment of your life oh, and the saddest moment of your life? Happiest moment of my life. Happiest moment of my life. There's probably many, many, many. I'm quite happy. There's, there's. I, I have regular moments, and I think because of the work that I do, it's so varied and it's so sporadic, and it's so like you, you'll sit there. I mean, like I had my book launch, um, and Boy George turned up. You know, and it's like that. There's those moments of why. I'm just like a. I'm just a girl from Lancashire, <laughs> and now you know I've got Fern Cotton as a good friend, and I've got you, and I've got Boy George rocking up to my, um, you know, um, my book launch, and I'm in a Boy George music video, and so there's some wonderful, wonderful moments of my life that I sit back and reflect and go bloody hell I'm really really grateful and I'm really proud of you know what Mm. I've achieved so I think there's a lot of happy moments but going back to that ambivert there that's my kind of extra ego Samantha moments but I think happiest moments for me are again just very simple things of like my I've got the two cats and one of the like I love both of them but one of the the cats the little girl the way she looks at me sometimes like she's just got adoration she'll just glare it's like you know what I mean? And I'm like, yes, you're an animal. I you're know. Just think of this. You're a different species, yet you're looking at me and you absolutely trust me, love me. Yeah. You know, you they're don't... Family. They're family. Yeah. They're family. And I think, yeah. so even just having those moments of, which catch... So, yeah, when I was, I was um, at my mum's house, I was shielding. And we were just, we were both sat on the bed, my mum and myself, and my cat was on my lap. And we were watching television and my mum just said to me, she went, oh, look, look at her. And she put her paw up here. And I looked down and she's just glaring at me. And in that moment, I was like, if that was, if that was all I have in life, yeah. then I'm happy. That's Next sweet. to my mum with my cat who sweet. just loves me. That's so I think, I think that, memory. I think that, you know, those little moments, I think we all need to be a bit, little bit more. And mindful, I suppose, of and grateful, grateful also for these little moments that are not little yeah. at all. Yeah, they're, they're immense. Yeah, they're immense. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, I think it's important, like you know, losing a parent at a young age that was one of the most heartbreaking. And I dedicated this book to my father. I um, I and I think because each chapter is a life lesson, I think he gave me the biggest life lesson is that life is too short. Yes. And I know it's a cliche, and I know people say it very flippantly, but. People automatically assume that my success and my drive comes because I have a disability and I, you know, want to overcome it or I mm. want to, you know, succeed. And I guess there's an element of that, you know, that that would always mm. that would always be part of me because I always wanted to prove, I always wanted to yeah. negate those labels and so forth. But I think 
ultimately it was the fact that my father believed in me and he fought for me as an infant Mm -hmm. and although he was really scared and really struggled like many men do actually really struggled with my diagnosis felt a lot of guilt um he was my biggest cheerleader and my biggest champion and he died he was 38 years old and I'm 36 and I think so, it puts yeah. it into perspective. And I guess that he is my biggest life lesson. And I just, do you know what I feel? I feel it's horrible losing anyone at any time. I feel sad. And I feel sad because, and I hope there is an afterlife. And I, or I hope there is a way that he can see where I am today. Because I think my, I don't have any regrets in life. Um, there's moments that I think, oh, for goodness sake, Samantha, really? Did you have to do that? But I don't regret. The one regret I do have is that, and this is maybe why I am trying to change how people view disability because it upsets me that actually my dad went to his grave not knowing that I could succeed not knowing that I could be successful that I could live independently Mm -hmm. that I could experience love that I could you know one day become a mother and so forth he went to his grave be with all those harmful incorrect stereotypical labels that Everyone told the him, society, society told him, him, his disabled daughter yeah. would be. And I hope that deep down inside, he knew that I was wonderful and unique. I and I, and, and, and I, would, I would rise above everything and prove everybody wrong. But it just niggled me a little bit that he went to his death knowing or having a concern and worry because people were in his ear incorrectly yes because they followed society and they and society is wrong (laughs) and that's what annoys me most but i believe they stay with us you know yeah people who loved us in some way or another that we don't know uh, they, they remain yeah. as a positive energy. I just hope he's not uh, there when I was doing all the naughty things that I don't <laughs> talk about. No, oh, no. then he turns uh, a blind yeah. eye at that. <laughs> he was busy at the time. He was busy at that time. <laughs> yeah. washing, washing his robe. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You are amazing. Thank I know you, everyone tells you. Oh, but, uh, I'm all right. I have my I good repeat. days and my bad days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when you have a bad day, think about Thank you, you know, how amazing you are. And we need to go out yeah. soon. My treat for dinner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Italian. Italian. <laughs> the only lady that I can go out with that allows me to eat pasta. This is exactly. why we're friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no judgment. Pasta is good for your you know, oh. happiness, oh, your morale. You know. People who don't eat pasta or carbs are very sad. Are very sad. I think I was in my, one of my past lives, I was definitely Italian. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you are really, really beautiful, and uh, I can't wait, you know, for you to write the second book. Oh gosh, with give more, me a break, more memories. Yeah. but I was able to read your book, and I hope everyone will buy. You are the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming here. <laughs> Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to share with uh, all your friends on all your social media and stay tuned. We will have a very inspiring guest coming soon. Bye.